Good morning, everyone. It's really good to see all of you this morning. I do hope that you had a good Christmas. I believe many of you had a very lazy Christmas, but praise God for rest as well. I know for some of you, it was a very difficult Christmas, and I pray that the Lord's presence, his birth, is an indication of how much he loves you, an indication that he came to bring reconciliation for all of us and to bring hope. We look forward to the time when Christ returns again, where all our longings are met in Christ where once again, the perfection will come and we too will be made perfect just as Christ is made perfect today. Today, we start on a new journey, on a new sermon series, last day here of 2020. And we will continue this sermon series through the first couple of months of 2021. We'll be speaking about the doctrines of grace. And the reason I chose this as our topic is because of, well, COVID-19 and the year of 2020 as well. We have been through a lot, brothers and sisters, all of us. In the silence of not being able to meet together in the silence of simply listening to media or simply being on social media. Uh, because we are home and we're watching Netflix and other shows, our minds have been filled um, too much with the wisdom of this world. And all too often our hearts have become more anxious about the things of our lives. And all too often, our bearings have been sort of shifting a little bit. But God is always good, and God is always steadfast. And what I want to usher in for us in the new year is for us to stand on those pillars again, for us to understand who we are in Christ and to rejoice in those truths. I want us to be able to say no to the sounds and the counsel of this world and to say yes to Christ, to say yes to his word and to say yes to all that God is doing in our church and for one another as well. We rejoice in God's first coming in Jesus. That was the moment when God inaugurated, began his final work of redemption and reconciliation for us. In his death and resurrection, he accomplished. And now we, as God's people, we long for his kingdom to come. We are eager to see his hand of justice, of righteousness, of redemption, of love take place in his kingdom that he may be glorified and that we we would feel ultimate joy 
and seeing God's name in lights. Today, it's sort of like what we call an introduction. Theologically, we call it prolegomena, uh, before the word. And what we're going to talk about today is why is theology important? Why is it important to know God's word? Why is it important for us to daily search the scriptures about what God is saying? Why is it that we as God's people must hear God's voice through his word, chew on his word, and to allow the Holy Spirit living in us as a community, living in us as an individuals, speak to us about the plain, unassailable truths of the gospel message. So let me start here. First, there is a warning to all people. There's a warning to the church especially that we should keep guard the teaching that we have received. That the teaching about the gospel, the fact that Jesus has come, Jesus has died, that Jesus rose again. Paul's explanation of this gospel, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The explanation that we are saved through faith by his death and by his resurrection. The righteousness that Jesus attained has been given to us and the sins and the punishments that we have served have been placed on Jesus himself. This gospel is simple and is true. But in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, in the book of Galatians, in all of Paul's letters, in the Gospels themselves, in all of Scripture themselves, there is a warning that those who do not know God's Word does not know the truth about God, does not enjoy them, that there will be a punishment for them. And in fact, that punishment is that we ourselves will grow further and further and further away from the Lord and further and further and further away from God's people. We will no longer want to hear advice given through Scripture. We will no longer want to hear the prayers of brothers and sisters in Christ. But we will walk away. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, 
verse 19, Paul admonishes Timothy and says, basically, one, keep your doctrine solid. Understand your theology of who God is, who you are, what redemption is. And second, practice what I've taught you in accordance with that same gospel. If you don't, you could become like the others who has shipwrecked their faith. And so for all of us, theology is important because if we do not have the right theology or understanding of the Bible, we will shipwreck our faith. And the number one sign of this shipwreckness is that our hearts, well, drift from God. That our hearts find less and less joy in just God himself. And so it is important for you and for me to desire to have a faith that is in, that is in agreement with the word of God. So first, there's a warning for all of us. Second, is that we do have to start with understanding what theology is. We all have a theology. In other words, we all have a perspective or an, or an interpretation or an idea of what God is, what the divine nature is. In fact, theologians have said for countless years that everyone is a theologian, that everybody has an answer to who is God. Now, whether that answer can be articulated or spoke about well, or it cannot be, it shows in the way that we live. It shows in our priorities in what we do, of what we believe the divine to be. All of us have a theology. And this, this theology answers very basic questions. The question of who is God? Who is he? Does he exist? And if he does, what is he like? Is he a God that is ruthless, mean-spirited, all angry? Is he a God who is soft like a marshmallow, sort of a pushover, will give you anything that you want? Or is there no God? Perhaps you are like perhaps you are like many who believe that the divine is simply us, the human spirit, that which makes us human, our ability to be, our ability to to love, our ability to to care, our ability to to want wrongs made right. All of us has answers to that first question. What is God? Who is God? And if we get that answer wrong, 
well, everything else falls apart. If we ourselves are unable to articulate well enough who our God is, what his nature is like, then we'll be unable to follow all of the other, well, truths about reality. The second question that is answered in our theology, and that's important for all of humanity, is simply, what is humanity? What is the purpose of a human being? Do human beings have worth inherent to them? Or are human beings simply like any other creature that walks or flies or swims on this earth? Do people of different genders, different race, are their values inherently different or not? What happens to a person when they die? These are questions that everyone has an answer to. This is theology. It's not a word that you should be scared of. It is not a word reserved only for pastors or for scholars. Everyone who knows Jesus must be a theologian. The third question that is answered in theology is, what's the problem? In other words, I have yet to meet a person in this world. If I ask the question, what is wrong with the world, would respond with nothing. The world is just as I imagined it. The world is perfect. I've yet to met a person like that. In fact, uh, we, our kids, and I have to admit myself, we, we started playing uh, Animal Crossing, that game that's all over the internet. And, and I could see that it's sort of like a Sims game where you sort of create your own reality, where the reality is exactly what you want it to be. And for most of us, it's not going to be like the world around us. We want our computer world to be better. But this is a good question, though, in general. If we were to go out and ask random people, what do you think is the major problem in this world? However they respond, will be that which they will spend the most time trying to fix, trying to think about, trying to find solutions for. Or on the other hand, if they believe there is no solution, throw up their hands and just give up. But this is a theological question, an existential question. What is ultimately wrong with this world? And then the last and final question 
Well, there are other questions as well, but these are the main ones. What's the solution? What is the solution to the problem that you see in this world? And again, people have answers to how to make society better. Redistribution of wealth, better education, better access to medical care, to food, us watching our, our words and how we speak to one another, random acts of kindness as the way to, to do things, strict media, give media more freedom, whatever it may be. We all have answers to those questions. Now, God says he has answers as well. And in fact, if we look at scripture through that grid, we will see that we're not simply, we're not imposing questions to scripture, but scripture themselves, scripture itself poses that, those questions exactly and answers them for us. And we as God's people need to dig ourselves into each and every one of those questions as deeply as we can, that we may understand who God is. We may understand who we are. We may understand the problem of sin and that we may understand how it is God has solved that problem. And that we may understand how God, God sort of works out that solution of saving people, of bringing redemption. That we may see how God works this all out in history. Then and then only will we know who God is and who we are. And our relationship with God will grow immensely with him. Now, there is a warning here as well. And it's twofold. Number one warning is just because you know the Bible doesn't mean that you actually know God. Just because you know the Bible does not mean that you have a relationship with God. We see that in scripture with the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders who said, we have the promises of God. We know God. And they're able to recite scripture. But Jesus proved them to be false. And so we'll go into this a little deeper later on next year about being discerners of listeners of when we hear people use scripture, of whether they are using scripture for God's glory or using scripture for their own purposes. But the second problem, oh, oh sorry, to, to go on to continue that train of thought, we also know that Satan himself knows scripture. That in Matthew chapter 4, he tempts Jesus. 
by using um, by 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 um, by by trying to persuade him that God is not who he says he is. But God, but Satan knows God very well. But Satan, well, does not have that fellowship with God that we desire. He, his relationship is one of an enemy of God. Now, I think in our culture today or in our church today, that that isn't the bigger issue. The big, the big issue is not that we read the Bible too much and we're hammering each other over with scriptures. But the issue is the other way. And, and this is the other danger, is that sometimes we think the Bible is just too hard. It's just too difficult. There's too many ways to read too many different passages. So why try? I'll just have Pastor Young tell us what it says. But I urge you not to take this all or nothing approach to the Bible. I urge you not to take this sort of, um, I need an answer today. I need the right interpretation today. Attitude towards the Bible. Your attitude towards the Bible and theology is simply to keep learning about God and being in awe of God. So there's a warning. Number two, we're all theologians. Number three, we need to have a covenant relationship with God. Covenant relationship with God. It's not enough just to know God's word. That becomes tiresome unless you're an academic, unless you just have a fascination with the Christian religion. And there are very few people like that. But I am always amazed at the people I know who have no education out in the streets and you ask them about their relationship with God and they will talk about the Bible. They will talk about the truths of God and they will hold on tight to their scriptures because they know that their relationship with God hinges on their understanding and growth in knowing about him. We, as God's people, must have a covenant relationship with God in order for us to dig deeper in Scripture and to grow in God. We must allow the Spirit that has regenerated us, made us born again, trust God's counsel, trust God's sovereignty, trust God's timing, that when we read the Holy Bible, that when we learn about theology, that when we dive into these questions and sometimes get answers right away, sometimes not, that we trust that God has his purposes 
of when to reveal things to us. Because we know that God is king and God will take care of us and God indeed will not lead us in wrong paths. So we read scripture. We read on theology that help us to understand scripture. We watch videos, we listen to podcasts, we listen to other pastors as well. And we try as much as possible to know everything about God because he has loved us and we love him. I think I told you this silly example um, way, way back in the day, but I had a friend in seminary and he was totally, I don't know if you call it in love, but he totally was pursuing this girl. But this girl was from uh, Canada. She was from uh, um, uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I don't know why I remember that. Uh, but she was, she was from Canada. And uh, I remember sitting with him and he was humming and he was memorizing something. And I asked him, what, what are you humming? What are you memorizing? Why are you so intent? Um, are you memorizing scripture? Uh, are you memorizing a hymn? Uh, are you doing something godly? And he looks at me, and his face gets really red. And we're close friends. And he says to me, I'm memorizing the Canadian national anthem. And I looked at him, and I just, I just lost it. I had to laugh. And I said, why are you, why are you memorizing the Canadian national anthem? Well, you know that girl? She's from Canada, right? I thought it'd be good for me to know the Canadian national anthem. I thought it'd be good for me to study Canada and what it's like to grow up in Canada. I thought it'd be good for me to know everything about her that I could about her growing up, about the fact that um, the Canadian school system is different as well, uh, just all of that stuff. And I'm just studying that because, you know, and, and I laughed. I mean, what else can I do? I, I just laughed. Um, but his desire for a relationship meant that knowledge had to be present in order for a relationship to exist. For us as God's people, we don't have to pursue God. God has already pursued us and found us. It's more like we are already bound to God. And as people bound to God, our hearts long to know more about him. You know, I long for all of you that when you learn one little new thing about God, it doesn't have to be something sort of big and grandiose, just something, a detail perhaps you didn't know about God. That your hearts, my heart, would just rejoice. It's like, wow, I did not know about the doctrine of the 
Trinity. That they love one another, Father, Son, and Spirit, and their love for each other is perfect. I did not know that. That's beautiful. That's my God. I want you to rejoice when you start learning, my goodness, my understanding of the gospel was like a little kid. It's like a little kid. But today, I feel like a teenager, just a little bit more. But thank God that I've learned a little bit more. Thank you, God. Our hearts need in this covenant relationship with God to rejoice as we learn new things about him. And that's what theology does for us. Theology is not dry. Theology is our life. Don't be distracted by that term. You know, I wish I could phrase a term like college football-ology or another term, animal crossing-ology or another term, money-ology, success-ology. Now, if I knew the Latin terms before that or the Greek terms, it might sound even more daunting, but we all study it. Many of us have idolatrous affections to it. But we don't count it as something difficult. We must return to our roots and see God and rejoice in him. So again, a warning about false theology, not to backslide, not to shipwreck your faith. Number two, we are all theologians. We all think about the important questions. Number three, that we must have a covenant relationship with God really understand the joys of theology. Number four, theology allows us to love other people well. Let me say that once again. Theology allows us to love other people well. without a proper understanding of God's love for you, the way that he's equipped our hearts to be loved by him, the way that he has, he is working out his salvation in this world where both the old self and the new self still lives in us, without understanding sort of both the difficulties of relationships, but the joys of a Christ-centered relationships without understanding the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, but within that to see Christ magnified or how to see Christ magnified, we will be lost and rudderless in how to love one another, how to forgive one another, how to serve one another, how to bear with one another. 
we would follow our emotions. We would follow the advice on social media. But we would, we would, but we would start to slide away from what God has told us. important. In fact, I don't know how you can read the scriptures without both the loving God part, how to love God, but this part as well. If you look at all of Paul's letters, if you look at the gospels, they're all about how to love the church well. Letter to the church of Romans, letter to the church at Ephesus, letter to the church at Philippi, letter to the church at Thessalonica, letter to the church in Colossae, so forth and so forth and so forth. How to love the church. We need to search those scriptures, the doctrines of grace, the doctrines of God tell us that we are loved by him and we must go and love others according to the very word of God. And so, brothers and sisters, I implore all of you, renew, God has renewed your mind. Be transformed by his word and continue to trust in him and in his work in your life. And as 2020 ends, let us be thankful for God's grace and mercy. No matter what happened in your life, lament if you need to lament, but be thankful that in the end, God wins. And as we move on to 2021, our goal is simple. It's trust in him. Follow him. Love him. Love other pe people. But let us do so with a proper understanding of what God is teaching us in his Bible and the theology that is contained in it as well. Jesus does not have multiple personalities. Jesus is not open to the whimsical interpretations of people. God is God. Jesus is Jesus. He is the one who interprets himself and allows himself to go out in the world to teach men and women like you and me what it means to have life. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God of God, Lord of Lords. We are but human creatures. We are prone to interpret things according to our own hearts and our own desires. And that is what we do with the Bible all the time. And that is what we do about you, God, about humanity, about forgiveness, about righteousness, about justice, about 
eternal life, about all of those questions. We have not dug deep enough to see the wonders of each and every one of those. So we ask of you, Lord God, to help us to dig deeper. And as we do so, give us joy in each little nugget that we find about who you are, about how you loved us, about the charges you've given to us to be part of your plan and your kingdom. May this covenant love be the only driver and motivation of our desire to know your word and to know you. And may we be people who rejoice in you alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen.